right up against the wall. One lap to go. Presented by Credit One Bank. Larson with a three-tenth of a second lead. Bell. A final effort through one and two. Down the back stretch for the final time. Big gain right there by the 20 car. Through three and four for the final time. Now lap traffic coming into play. Bell on the high side. Larson's going to drift up in front of him. Does Bell have enough? It's Larson. Bell. Larson. Larson's going to win. What a finish by Kyle Larson. Good job. Well, Chris, we got some sweats in our day. Uh, but, man, that's uh, those last few laps with Bell chasing down our boy Kyle Larson were – about as uh, white knuckly as I've ever had on the NASCAR track. But by just a nose, Kyle Larson comes through in Las Vegas, completing at the time the first leg of what was eventually the podcast double. Uh, historic day for flag hunting. Um, vibes obviously very, very high. Uh, as not only did you hit the winner of the race, you hit the pole setter, and of course, our biggest outright position for the championship. Kyle Larson now through to the final four. Huge week in Vegas, in the NASCAR scene. Talk us through it, brother. Um, because, man, that was that was about as crazy a race as we've seen. And uh, part of me kind of wishes I didn't have skin in that race because uh, those last six or seven laps, not enjoyable getting caught every <laughs> single lap out of 20 car. Yeah, I mean, I think my tweet said it all. Like, that was sweaty, and you said, just said it too, about the white knuckles. Like, I mean, like you said, betting aside, like, that was, that was fun. That was a hell of a lot of fun. That was a hell of an ending. Uh, especially for you being a Larson and Bell fan, like that's kind of what you wish for, right? That's your, your yeah. two favorite drivers kind of duking it out. But when you've only got one of them on your bed slip and he is getting absolutely hunted down, uh, yeah. it is not fun. Um, I think, you know, you said it in our group chat, if we had 500 more feet, if we had a Talladega finish line, I don't think we win that. We don't, we're not as happy right no now. Chance. No um, chance. So, and you kind of saw the, uh, the, I'm trying to think of the word here. Larson even said in his post-race uh, interview, like, oh, my God, like, thank God Chris actually raced me, like, respectfully there and didn't try to, like, wreck me or anything. Like, I think even he knew, knew like, you know, if that was somebody else, like a Denny or a Kyle Busch or someone like that, probably didn't pan out the same way. Yeah. Um, so, but nonetheless, you know, despite what the ending showed, Larson won stage one, won stage two, and won the race. So, all in all, a, a, a dominant day in quotes, although I wouldn't call it dominant because I feel like, you know, Although he had the best car, there was definitely other other challengers that I felt like had race worthy winning cars. Um, so, uh, but yeah, honestly, very fun race. Vegas continues to deliver. I think it's slowly creeping up the list of of tracks that I would love to kind of go to. Honestly, um, so yeah, big day, big day for the pod. Uh, obviously, with the Bell undefeated on Saturdays and then Larson getting the win on Sundays. And now Larson gets to, which we'll allude to quite a bit tonight, but Larson, we saw the winner of Vegas last year, Joey Logano, got to sit back for two weeks and prepare solely for Phoenix. Now we get to do Larson, watch Larson do the same. And it's a little different this year because we actually have the championship ticket. So uh, whereas last year we took the, the race winning wager on Joey, but now we have the outright ticket for the championship. So uh, it will be fun to watch him in Phoenix, but uh, obviously still two fun more tracks to go to before we get there. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I, th I mean, I think Wormy alluded to it on uh, Stay Green last week, but this is, I think, for most like NASCAR fans and betters, betters exclusively. Like, this is the round of the playoffs that you guys feel like, you know, actually 
you know, does the best job of separating the best cars. And um, yeah, you're right. I think, I think Larson was on pace for a dominant win until he got into trouble. I think that was what late stage two, maybe early stage three, when he got in the wall, lost a few spots, kind of sunk down to fourth or fifth, and then uh, got, a, I think a really good timely caution when he was starting to really mm-hmm. struggle with the setup. And uh, that was kind of the leveler for him to, to kind of get, get back uh, in touch with the leaders and eventually the pit crew uh, on that final stop was the difference as, as it was in Phoenix in 2021. So good vibes in, on pit lane there for the five team. Um, but yeah, definitely not without drama. And uh, it, it was, it was good to see as a, as a bell fan, a guy that, I mean, I've really had a lot to cheer for as a fan of the 20 car, because it's been a lot of like sixth base, like sixth place finishes, eighth place finishes. Like he's good enough to finish inside the top 10 every week, but not really have race winning speed. Um, so maybe a nice sign of life for the 20 team. Uh, for the first time in some time, and we'll see if he can carry it over into Homestead and, and Martinsville. Because uh, despite that, what second place finished by a nose, he uh, still very, still very much needs some help in the final two races in, in order to secure that spot into the final four. So, um, is there anything else that, that you kind of took away? Obviously, Larson, I think, was the class of the field until that instant, uh, in, in um, you know, when he when he kind of ran up against the wall and saved it from going down to the inside wall, but. Was there anybody else that maybe stood out to you in a positive or negative way um, in terms of the field? Um, maybe special events on the playoff drivers um, between like, you know, your Hamlins, your Blaney's, your Truex's, Bushers, et cetera. Yeah. There's one guy that I'll, I'll kind of save for the podcast tonight. Cause I do think there was a guy that I think had a race winning car that is should, and I do expect to be very good this week um, that I actually have already clicked. It is my only click, so I'm going to save my conversation on him for a second. But um, other than the DQ and the rescind of the DQ aside, Blaney finishing sixth uh, was pretty impressive, honestly, for a guy that you know, a guy in a team that hasn't showed any speed on intermediates. Um, that's that's pretty big for them, pretty big to build on coming these next two weeks because he should honestly like if if he can get two top tens out of these two rounds, and then he's typically pretty good at the Martinsville Phoenix types. Um, like I said, all he's got to do is. Yeah, keep reeling off these top five and top tens, and you know he has a he has the opportunity to, especially in Martinsville, where there's always someone who has some sort of mistake that comes up. If you have a mistake in Martinsville, you go down two three laps, your days yeah. quick. So, um, yeah, Blaney, I think is, is someone uh, is, is interesting. Um, Brad ran really really well. I know he's out of the playoffs, but still, like I kind of expected Busher to be the car out of that stable to to kind of show something, and we didn't really see anything there. And uh, I think I actually had a ticket on him for. Can't for a top forward or something, but I remember I had a ticket on him in some fashion. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? You know, obviously Truex. I think Truex, you know, returned to form. Um, they had one just absolutely dreadful pit call, and that kind of screwed up their entire day. Um, so they can't seem to get out of their own way, but the speed is, appears to be back, which is good, um, especially yeah. coming this next round. Yeah, especially at, at Vegas, that was kind of like in my in my mind that was almost his last straw because a uh, mile and a half high speed, like that's true X to a T. And if he was going to go down there and settle back in 16th place, like he has been the last couple of months, all of a sudden, like the alarm bells have to really start ringing. So true X, of course, um, definitely helped this playoff so far by his regular season championship. Uh, but now it feels like, you know, maybe um, he's at least shown some form. And, you know, if he was able to get up front, I feel like he's, he's, he's got everybody the, the chance to, to, drive with a guy like Larson or Byron or Hamlin potentially. So, um, okay. So it's been, it's been a great run for us. I feel like, you know, uh, obviously when I was down there watching you watching with the other Roval, 
not the best uh, result, but I believe we've hit, what, two of the last three, Chris, if mm -hmm. I recall correctly? Yeah. So we hit yeah. two of the last three in the – um, kind of dating back to – not Texas. What was the one? Talladega. There you go. Talladega, yeah. That's the one. Yeah, I, I completely uh, whipped on that one. But, yeah, Talladega and Vegas. So two of the last three. We go to a track at Homestead now, uh, the third to last race of the NASCAR schedule, uh, the second race of the round of eight, uh, and a track that I feel like – you and, and kind of NASCAR Twitter has, you know, your fingers on the pulse of. I, I feel like this is a track that a lot of NASCAR fans like. Um, but for me, as like a casual viewer for much of my life, I, I don't really feel like I have a strong connection with this track, even though it crowned our champion for so many years. It was it was also there in the era where like Jimmy won every single year, it felt like. So I didn't really, wasn't really compelled to, to tune in on a fall day during football season. So uh, this is one where I think, you know, you're going to you're gonna bring some, some insights that I, I, I really uh, – have no idea about. So I'm interested to hear your breakdown for Homestead Miami. And then of course uh, the odds board uh, that will determine the fates of a lot of these drivers kind of heading forward in the championship race. Yeah. So we head to Homestead Miami Speedway in South beach, Florida for the, and uh, the great name forever 400. They are honoring Kevin Harvick this week uh, as it's his last run through here. So uh, the forever 400, uh, it is a, for anyone that doesn't know, Homestead Miami is like Ian mentioned, it used to be the, track that crowned our champion i do anticipate it's probably going to go back there maybe even as soon as 2025 just because phoenix has run its course i feel like i mean phoenix is cool it's fun but i think everyone's kind of ready for a different track to be back in the championship uh okay daytona <laughs> i mean i wouldn't be opposed but i feel like a lot of other people would be yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. i think i would be opposed yeah i don't think it <laughs> If, if, Although of the I'm super sorry. speedways, if there's one I was going to pick, that'd be Atlanta. Like I think, is Atlanta had yeah. a little handling to it? Yeah. But yeah. yeah, for a championship race, that'd be wild. <laughs> yeah, I do think I know you have another thought here, but and we're going off topic. But I do think yeah. Denny actually had a great point in his podcast of like, and I know what NASCAR's trying to do. Like they're trying to make a championship race be like a, a Super Bowl or a World Series, where it's like winner take all event. But yeah. Denny had a good point of like why. You know, there's only so many tracks we can go to anyways for the championship race, probably like only three or four that would actually guarantee to have good weather. Why sure. not just throw those same three tracks in a three three year rotation or better yet, make the last round three races instead of one and just throw those three races in that rotation. So not opposed to either of those ideas, but either way, I just hate that we're in Phoenix every single year. I wish we had some sort of rotation because it's going to favor the same drivers every year. Sure. Uh, so Sorry, I cut you off. You had another thought too. Oh, I was just going to simply say, if if it does go back to Homestead in twenty twenty five, you can buy all the Larson stock you want because uh, that will be fun as a, as a fan of the number five uh, car. Yeah. But what would be the other one outside of Homestead and Phoenix? It would it be Vegas, I guess. Uh, yeah, Homestead, Vegas, Phoenix, and then eventually whatever happens with Auto Club because Auto Club is uh, typically has good weather um, all year round. Okay. Yeah, I'm so. not. I'm not very familiar with California geography because I feel like Nor NorCal is like the worst spot to be in like October, but like SoCal, obviously. Yeah. Uh, so I would assume Fontana is, is in Southern California, but I'm yeah. an East Coast yeah. kid, kind of born and bred. So showing my ignorance there, but yeah, continue on with your breakdown, bro. <laughs> uh, so anyways, uh, Homestead is a mile and a half. It is a high speed, high tire wear intermediate track with the most comparables being Darlington and the re previously mentioned Auto Club. The previous iteration of Auto Club as well, because we don't know what's going to happen to Auto Club. Um, but yeah, obviously the two highest tire wear tracks being the 
uh, most comparable tracks there. We have seen Dodson in the playoffs, so that helps. Uh, we haven't seen Auto Club, although obviously since the beginning of the year, and the first iteration Dodson was also pretty early in the year. So that second Dodson race, we're gonna we're gonna draw a lot from that. And then we're running a tire code. Um, that was the same one run on the Charlotte Oval and Darlington, which is the same. Use the same both left and right sides, but then we ran the same right tire code at Kansas, Vegas, Nashville, and Pocono. So Kansas two iterations, Vegas two iterations. I'm throwing out Nashville and Pocono just because I don't really feel like they're very similar. Plus, we've got three data, three playoff data points, being with Darlington 2, Kansas 2, and Vegas 2. So we've got a lot of really, really nice data points to run here. Um, and then we look back to last year where uh, Kyle Larson, if the race stayed green, would have actually lapped the field. Like, proven thought would have actually lapped the field. Um, so pretty fun to look at that if you go back and watch that race um now that there is an argument to be made for another driver in that race last year which we'll talk to talk about a little bit but if the caution doesn't come out uh in stage i think late in stage two or early stage three there is an argument that this other driver might not have been caught by larson but we beg to differ because larson was running just astronomical lap times but that, um, like he might not have gotten lapped <laughs> is like the primitive point there like like we're making a case for the guy that like would have only lost by like three quarters of a lap or like half a lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Was, that it, was, was it was quite the ass kicking. Yeah. Um. Now well, for my practice. So, so Wilkesboro twenty twenty three or or Homestead twenty twenty two. What was what was more impressive in your eyes? Because you were at the Wilkesboro race. Still Homestead. Still Homestead. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Wilkesboro was was pretty damn impressive, but we've never seen anything like the whole almost the entire field being laps. I mean. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember how many cars we had on the lead lap, but it it <laughs> yeah. it could have been many. You know, what, uh, yeah. you know what's funny is I feel like by because like obviously I've become a lot bigger NASCAR fan since we started this podcast and I watch every race almost from start to finish. Um, I feel like a lot of the reason why I don't really know a ton of or I don't really like have a lot of memories about Homestead just in my in my member banks is because like. I don't know who was on our card last year, but obviously, like it was pretty apparent after like matter. stage one, it didn't matter. Yeah, if you didn't have the five, you were dead, and that was that was it. Yeah, um, you live and you learn. Uh, so, uh, with that being said, uh, practice and qualifying. We do have actually a really interesting practice and qualifying this week. Uh, practice is at nine a.m. on Saturday morning, and qualifying is at ten a.m. Um, so, real early. Uh, if we want a real early Saturday sweat, it might have to be a Friday night posting of that card. Um, and then the race is on Sunday at 2.30, so an hour earlier than, than normal as we kind of had that 3.30 start, I think, for like a few weeks now. Yeah, um, Which was interesting. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, I think it's – well, it was 2.30 coverage, but I think it started at like – the race didn't actually go green to like yeah. 2.50 or 3 o'clock. Um, all right, so I listed out a lot of comp tracks. Don obviously Donaldson Auto Club, Kansas to Texas to Vegas to Kansas to. Um, I did kind of look at these speed comparisons here. So it looks like last year we had ran an average speed of 129 and a pole speed of 166. Uh, which honestly, all of those times are slower than all of the comp tracks. So I don't really have like a main one to compare to. So we're just going to stick with the Darlington Auto Club just because of the tire wear. Like I, I do think tire wear is, is really impressive, is really the important thing to note. This is the week where you want to look at the 15, 20 lap um, 
lap times if you can um if we get them because obviously it's only two 20 minute sessions so you hope that your guy actually stays out long enough to log those and doesn't come in every two or three laps um but that this is the week that it's hella important yeah um so uh I think at this point I'm ready to go to the model because I think I've highlighted everything else. Um, so um, pretty much I'm looking at a lot of the same metrics. I do actually have, like I said, I have an emphasis on like, so typically you'll hear me say like similar track total speed and similar track drive rating and tire code track and all that kind of stuff. My similar track uh, models this week are actually just the high tire wear tracks. So Donaldson Auto Club, whereas the tire code tracks are... Um, all the ones I've listed out today. So the Kansas, Vegas, Texas, all those, whatever. But I do have a separate column where I'm just looking at the playoff ones too. So I've got just Johnson to Kansas two and Vegas two as like a separate denominator here. So I do have some kind of things going on here where I'm just kind of set parsing out my data in different ways. Um, so the model does spit out a top 10 of number one, Kyle Larson, no surprise. Number two, Denny Hamlin, number three, William Byron, no surprises there. Top three on the odds board. Actually, not maybe not actually. One other guy's. Yeah, they're not actually. Uh, number four is Brad Keselowski. Number five is Kyle Busch. Number six is Martin Truex. Number seven, Tyler Reddick. Number eight, Kevin Harvick. Number nine, Christopher Bell. Number 10, Chase Elliott. Number 11, Ross Chastain. Number 12, Ryan Blaney. So uh, then we'll look over the qualifying model. I told Ian this a little before the podcast. Uh, but I have never seen my metric somebody rate out first in every single uh, weighted category that I look at for qualifying. So whether it's Homestead or the tire code or the high tire wear tracks or 2022 or 2020, all the different metrics I'm bringing in, Christopher Bell is first in every single one. He, has a, he literally weighs out my model as number one with a metric of one. Never had that happen before. Uh, so I don't know what the number is going to be for Christopher Bell. We cashed a four to one last week. I imagine it's going to be shorter. I don't know if we'll be, if we'll, if we're going to do it, it'll be single bullet. Uh, yeah. But it is insane. I've never seen that happen before. Uh, number two in the qualifying model is Larson. Number three is Hamlin. Number four is Blaney. Number five is Logano. Number six is Truex. Number seven is Reddick. Number eight is Busher. And then a tie for ninth, uh, which rounds out the ninth and tenth, is Byron and Brad. So just from an odds perspective, I don't. Honestly, we might just be single bulleted on Christopher Bell because there's not a lot that I love here uh, in the qualifying model. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I've got to talk about here from the model track. It's all of that standpoint. So we'll kick it to you for any questions or if you want to go ahead and run to the odds board. Uh, yeah, yeah, not not a ton to, to add there. Um, but, yeah, you, you mentioned to me earlier that, that Caesars had opened a 10 to 1 on Seabell. Um, for Paul, he's – I think you said down to three to one now on that book that after everyone kind of pounded that. So um, yeah, it's, I think it's pretty clear to the community these days that Seabell on Saturdays is a, is a worthwhile investment almost regardless of the number. So um, you know, maybe if your book tends to uh, wait a little bit later in the week to post poll odds, just, you know, keep updated and make sure that they're posting the right guy, because if Seabell's not at the top of that poll list, then uh, yeah, I would go ahead and make that move. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. Let's move on into the actual win of the race because it feels like it's going to be, like Chris said, uh, pretty cut and dry in terms of our approach on Saturday, if we are even to make an approach on Saturday. But for the race on Sunday, there's a clear number one in Chris's model. We talked about him already with his dominant performance in 2022. But Kyle Larson is, I think, the shortest I've ever seen in NASCAR, uh, plus 275, maybe outside the championship. 
odds? I, I don't even know. I, I've never seen a number less than three to one on Tuesday night when we're recording these episodes. It's absolutely ridiculous. Of course, the million-dollar question is, does the five team even give a singular fuck about this race? Because they can finish 36 the next two weeks and still be obviously in contention to win the championship. So I think I know what the answer is going to be. Is there any way, any case on the planet where Kyle Larson is on our card Saturday night, Sunday morning, heading to race day at Homestead? Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, you're right, right? I mean, this is no, we haven't seen odds. I think the only time other than championship we've seen odds like this is the 2021 season where Larson was winning every single week. Like, I think we actually did bet Larson like plus 375 <laughs> at Kansas yeah. or something like that. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I can't even like, no matter what, he could have been, he could have had ones across my entire screen every single column and I probably still wouldn't bet him just because, like you said, like what, what does this week actually matter to them? Like, yeah. you know, can is like can Kyle Larson go out here with no uh, sim time and still win this race? Absolutely. Like, I think he's that good here. Like, he can do that. But you're absolutely crazy if you don't think that they are going to be allocating resources to focus f- directly on Phoenix. Like. They have there is no points to be gained. There's no extra playoff points. You can't get any other edge for Phoenix other than the resources that you can to look at two weeks ahead of time. We saw Logano do it last year. Yeah. They they've they've seen the formula. Everyone knows the formula. That's why everyone wanted to win Vegas because they wanted to do the same exact thing. Yeah. So you know, Denny Hamlin even talks about his podcast this week. He was like, if I was in Larson's shoes, he's like, I am he's like, my team, if you guys want to focus on on Homestead of Martinsville, feel free. But he's like, I'm doing my symptom on Phoenix. Like, I could care two shits. Um, so, you know, this is a week where, like, we're going to go elsewhere. And if the five car still comes out and whoops everyone's ass, then you know what? So be it. Like, tip the cap. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, not not at a price of plus 275 where, like, I think literally if I use all my eight units, I still can't get to the win percentage no. I'd, I'd want to. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, the answer is no. And 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 obviously the books don't want any action because if you scroll out of the top three and top fives, the top three number is minus 160, the top five is minus 75, and the top 10 is minus 550. I have never – I don't think I've ever seen numbers like this. Yeah. So, okay, so we, we're pretty clearly in the camp of – I think this is going to be the general consensus on NASCAR Twitter. I know Skybox has already posted a tweet earlier today that was like, y'all can have Larson. I, I want no part of plus 300, plus 350, whatever. Is this a spot to – pick on Larson in the head-to-head matchups because obviously if he's plus 275 outright, he's, you, you already talked about his, you know, minus 160 price for a top three, minus 300 for top five or, or whatever that was, whatever crazy, yeah, minus 275 for a top five. Obviously books are going to have him favored against almost everybody in the paddock. Are you comfortable laying, you know, are you comfortable picking on the five car with the guy that you like in the second tier? You don't have to be, be specific, but just say, you know, your favorite driver outside of Larson is you know plus one ten plus one fifteen in a head-to-head matchup? Is that something that you're interested in at all, or are you just rather be hands off the five if he wins? So be it. Yeah, I think I'm just hands off in all regards, like okay. because like like I said, like they could focus directly on Phoenix, and he could still win this race. Like I, I don't think like you know like I mean let's just look at last week for example. Like Jeff Gluck brought this up on his podcast. Larson went out and won the, and I don't know the name off the top of my head, but it's the is the high limit high limit dirt series or I don't know whatever. He basically won the championship in the dirt dirt track series on like Tuesday Wednesday night, Thursday or Friday goes out and does the IndyCar 
rookie orientation where he's running like basically you run like five laps at 215 and then five laps at 220 and five laps at 225 and you work your way up. He does yeah. this orientation, he passes. So like literally is not focused on NASCAR on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then shows up to the track Saturday, Sunday, and is the fastest car all weekend. Like yeah, he could still do that this weekend. Like not focus anything on homestead and still show up the fastest car. He's we know he's got a good pit crew. He's got one of the smartest crew chief and one of the most like even keeled crew chiefs on the pit box. Like can talk Kyle Larson off a damn cliff. Like yeah, I'm just I don't want to talk. I don't want to fade him. I'm just I just don't want anything to do with him <laughs> from a betting yeah. stance. No, I get it. I get it. That was kind of my that was I didn't really expect that answer to be any different. I just was interested in your in your opinion because. I, I've never seen this really ever in the world of sports where like a guy is such a clear favorite at a, at a venue or a track or a game and like nobody wants anything to do with him. Like I would be stunned if I log into Twitter this weekend and I'm like, and I see any Kyle Larson tickets like whatsoever, you know, it, and he's, he's like the clear favorite. Like there's no, you wouldn't yeah. see anyone else as the favorite, but like, this is just such a, it's such a weird moment in, in sports. So obviously we're going to look for betting angles in any way we can. Um, but I, I do agree with that. Um, because I, I, I do feel like, again, like you just don't want any part of like money against the five right now, even if it's, you know, I mean, even if it's a head-to-head matchup with the guy you, you really like. So um, also while you were kind of going on your diatribe about Larson uh, kind of having feet in multiple different camps and still dominating, Larson, like low-key, like sport another comp. Like what if Larson, I, this is actually kind of a bad comp, but like, what if we look back at Larson's career in like 10, 15 years and we're like, it's almost like a Shaq type career where it's like, what if he just focused entirely on NASCAR? What if he just, what if he gave 110% to like stock car racing and didn't run dirt, didn't run any car, nothing like that. Like, cause like that's the argument with Shaq. Like if he was just like so regimented in his focus towards basketball, like he would have been the best player maybe to ever play. I actually don't know if I agree with this. Okay. I don't know if I agree with this because I actually would I would make the argument that because because he puts his hand in so many other buckets of forms of racing that he's consistently bettering himself at his own, at his own craft. So yeah, I actually it's not, think it's not a question of work ethic. It's just like it's more like focus. It, it's yeah. it's not exact comparison. But I, I yeah continue continue. No, I mean, I mean I think it's the end of my thought. I just think that like there are certain guys in the sport that have been some of the best we've ever seen because they've, you know, gotten their feet wet in other, other facets, right? Like, you know, obviously we know Christopher Bell obviously is in the dirt racing world as well, but like even look back at like Tony Stewart, like Tony Stewart would dabble in other like IndyCar and, and dirt. Sure. Um, Kurt Busch would do both. Um, trying to give another example. I'm sure there's other ones out there, but oh, like, yeah. I think I almost think that some of the best races we've ever seen were good because they were good in other forms of racing and not just NASCAR. Jimmy Johnson might be the only, only well, one that, that didn't that I know of. Dale did Dale run? I mean, Dale ran dirt early in his career, but it's not like he was running dirt like during his. Yeah, time. that's a, that's also like a little bit of a different different generation, though. Like I don't know that. No one. Was know that. Like that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That was just my initial uh, thought after you talked about Larson uh, doing like three different series. Um, but yeah, I, I tend to agree. It's not like he's going out there and like trying to be a professional golfer at the same time yeah. he's doing NASCAR. Like he's also, uh, it's all, it's all, um, coinciding with, uh, with his overall skill set. So, okay. So I feel like the Kyle Larson discussion will be about the same, whether it's Lane coin, whether it's full tank with Phil, whether it's Derek show, I think, again, I would be stunned if I saw people like 
hammering Larson at plus 275. So let's move on because, again, like, because we're so down on the favorite in terms of, like, his outright win equity compared to his price, it opens up the possibility for other guys out, down the board. Now, <laughs> despite a guy being plus 275, we don't move very far down to get to our second favorite, who is Tyler Reddick at 6-1. to one. Um, You would anticipate just based on, like, hold percentages and, like, you know, you know, projected win equity, like a guy plus 275 would take up so much, you would drop down to eight or nine to one. Uh, obviously not the case. Books do what they want. And Todd Reddick is six to one here. Um, Martin Truex is right beside him at seven to one. And then, uh, I'm sorry, Denny, oh no, I'm sorry. William Byron is plus 750. Denny Hamlin is eight to one. Uh, so there's a foursome here from kind of six, eight to one. Reddick, I know, uh, prolific winner on the Xfinity series. He's won two championships here in the lower series. Uh, Truex, I might, I think he was the guy you're alluding to when you're talking about the guy that maybe Larson wouldn't have passed, um, you know, if things had, had, had went differently. Uh, and then Byron and Hamlin, obviously two of the most consistent performers on a week and week basis. So I, I do feel like you already mentioned there's a click here. I, I feel like this is kind of the range that a lot of people will gravitate towards. So talk me through the 45, the 19, 24, and the 11. So I do, I do have a click tonight, but it actually isn't in this range, but, um, but there's a guy that I'm, I'm at the current number he's at. I, I don't know why we we shouldn't. Like I, I can make argument we go ahead and make the, another click right here as well. Um, uh, you know, although I expected Larson and Reddick to be the two favorites, I didn't expect Reddick to be six to one, uh, which feels like. Don't get me wrong. Like Reddick is is very good here, um, and he very well could have a Larson like day. Um, cause he is, he is that good here. And he also has a very strong car, yeah. um, especially in the playoffs. Um, but Reddick also has the knack for like having a mistake that kills himself. Um, even in the not maybe not this year, this year, I feel like having mistakes that weren't really his fault. It's been like the pit crew or, yeah. um, untimely cautions or whatever it may be. But like how many times we've we seen Reddick run this high line and, scrape the wall and you know scrape, he uh, gets a flat and that costs him his day i mean we've seen that happen as well so mm-hmm. as much as i love reddick here uh he is seventh in my model which also surprised me um mainly based on his total speed um at the tire code tracks um, and actually the high tire wear tracks, so like the Donaldson Auto Clubs, he hasn't run as well as, as I would have would have liked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Six to one is, is a little bit hard for me to to, to bite here. I, I do think we're actually be good. I just don't know from my win perspective if I'm there at yeah. six to one, especially when we have guys like Truex at seven to one, who yes, that's the guy I was hinting at. Like Truex. You know, without a, a late caution, Truex could have stole this race last year. Whereas Larson was so dominant, but Truex like had the second best car last year, and we've seen Truex be very good at high tower tracks, aka Darlington, this year. Uh, if it wasn't for a, um, you know, he spins off of turn three with after coming into contact with Ross Chastain after leading literally the whole first two stages, like Truex could have easily dominated Darlington and in the spring Darlington and took away that race. With the speed we saw last week, you know, I think Truex is a, is a strong contender this week as well. Um, William Byers is a guy, like, he's third in my model. He's really, really good at the high tower tracks. He's good at Homestead. He's literally number one in the tire code tracks. But 
again, I don't know about race winning. Like, I, I feel like I feel probably as, about as good as everybody that I've named as I do Byron finishing top five. Like, I think Byron top five is, is probably a, a kind of a lock. Yeah. Uh, again, again, Revis and Darlington, right? Like, he was able to hang in the top five all day long, and then he was there at the end to steal the win. Um, so Byron plus 750. But the guy that I can't talk myself out of is, is I can't believe Denny's 8 to 1. Like, this is a three time winner of Homestead. So, like, we want to talk about how good Larson's here, but Larson doesn't have three wins here. <laughs> Denny does. Um, and Denny has also been really, really good at the at the tire code tracks. Uh, so you want to talk about like, or sorry, not the tire code, the high tire tracks. He's second in total speed, uh, not only this year, but last, not only this year, but last year as well at tire code tracks. He is also first in my, also, I'm not going to call it the fucked data anymore. I've come up with a new word. It's now the far quad, the far quad data. Um, <laughs> oh, <no>, Shrek. <laughs> um, which is obviously the it's the finishing position, the qualifying position, and the driver rating all matched into one. He's actually first. He's rating higher than Larson in the last three years here. Um, so Denny Nate to one, I think, is a real is a real has a real strong case here for me to to make the click. And he's really as as far as the model goes, he's really not that far. I expected Larson to be a much further favorite in my model than he is. Denny is not far behind him for me uh, in the model. So. Although I haven't made the click, I think I'm closest on Denny out of these guys in this range. I don't think that he is – I don't think Reddick should be two points favored more than him. I kind of expected them to both be kind of kind of near each other. So um, I'm waiting for one other book to post odds, but Denny might be a click. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm looking around, DraftKings, Bet365, et cetera. I don't see a number better than seven to one on Denny. So it does seem like we kind of have yeah. the high watermark here. Um and I, I, I like the eight for multiple reasons. Number one, he's the lowest price range of this tier. And it feels like he's kind of the top of your second tier. Like it feels like Larson's yeah. on the care of his own in your metric. But Denny is number two in your model. He's number five on the odds board. Um, and the good news with, with eight to one is like, it's not like last week at, with Larson where like we were so scared of Larson. We didn't really want to make a click at this race because it would prohibit us from betting a potential four or five to one that emerged later in the week on him. If we're just completely out on Larson, like, you know, to hell with it. If he wins, so be it. You know, we can still afford a true X of Byron or Reddick, you know, I mean, unless they go out there and pull it and dominate on Saturday and are, you know, I don't, I don't even know what their price would be with Larson kind of entrenched at two and a half, three, three and a half to one. But it's still very affordable um, to potentially have another top tier guy uh, that we've already talked about or a couple guys maybe further down the board. Uh, who you're going to talk about here in a little bit as well. So I like one. Yeah, I'm sorry. One other stat I was going to bring up just real quick that I forgot to bring up on Denny. You know, unlike last week where I said, like, you know, Denny doesn't practice the qualify well here. Uh, not the case for Homestead. Actually, you know, like, I, I think I'm talking myself more into this bet because, yeah. I mean, Ian, like, this right here is, is probably the convincing one. Outside of last year where he qualified 14th, he had five straight poles here. Oh God! <laughs> five straight poles. Yeah. And then you go back the year before, so five straight, fourth, and then another pole, and then eighth and fifth. So literally in the last ten years, he's had one qualifying position outside of the top ten. Uh, and at the price of eight to one, this early in the week, like that's going to get shorter. I, I think we have to make this click after seeing that. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm currently going through Caesars right now to see what his poll odds are, but I believe in your when you were talking to me earlier, you'd mentioned the fact that he was him and Seabell were kind of like one, two, right? Seabell was obviously the favorite him, Larson but, and Hamlin are one, two, three. And it's really, it's pretty close. I mean, other yeah. than 
Seabill having a little one. Uh, Larson and Hamlin are have an average of like basically qualifying like third, three and a half. So like yeah. they're they're right there. And you talk about Denny like long run, tire wear, hot and slick. Like come on, man. Like that's that's the eleven to a T. And I was just gonna say because I love eight to one because it's not a huge commitment based on our, our overall unit allocation. Like it doesn't feel like I'm hamstrung uh, from from betting other guys kind of in and around that range as well. So um, yeah, I know what book you're waiting on. Um, but man, I don't really, I mean, are we really going to get something better than eight? You know, like, well, based, based on what you're saying from other books around, I don't think we are. So I, I yeah, think I'll see anything better than seven. So I think we just, I think like, we make the live click here on the yeah, podcast, let's, to be let's honest. Let's do it. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this bet. I, I like the reasoning. So we are, we are officially in on Denny Hamlin eight to one. That is locked in as of right now. Okay. Oh, eight to one. I'm guessing that would be for what three point seven five for you, Chris. I was went ahead and clicked the four. Let's go four. Okay, so we're have about half the budget allocated at this point, or just under half the budget allocated. Um, and you said you already have another click as well, kind of elsewhere in this range. As I kind of scroll on the board, I, I think I know where we're going with this. But let's move into the teens. Uh, we talked enough about the top five guys on this board, uh, and we'll move into kind of twelve to eighteen to one here. Bit of a bigger range. Let's let's actually maybe hold up at 16. Let's talk about three guys. Christopher Bell, 12 to 1. We obviously know that price is very likely to get shorter as the race goes along. It's just a matter of if that 20 car can actually finish the job on Sunday and find his way into victory lane. It's been the that's been the trouble uh this this year, the story of of Chris Bell's 2023. But he is 12 to 1 pre-traction qualifying here on Tuesday night. Uh Ross Chastain comes in at 14 to 1, another guy that I think showed some some nice speed at Vegas. Uh I know Vegas is probably a better track than the Homestead historically. Um, but I know he, I think he finished like sneakily third here, uh, back when he was in like a 42 car. I remember one of the years where Larson was like kind of dominant. Uh Chastain kind of snuck a top finish here at Homestead. Maybe I'm misremembering, but that's just what's going on in my mind. And then Chris Busher uh is 16 to 1 here as well. So Seabell, Chastain, Busher. I'll be honest, I don't expect you to have a click in this range, but, of course, I am uh, willing to be uh, – what's the word? Skewed. Surprised. Yeah, <laughs> surprised or, or convinced another way. Yeah, I'll be interested to, to see who you thought it was going to be because there actually is a click in this range. Um, and that's – before the Denny clicks, that's maybe why I was a little bit hesitant, but I think it just made a lot of sense to click the Denny at eight. Um, so we are going to have a good bit of our budget kind of already used up tonight, but – um let's talk first about the guy that maybe i am least interested in and i think did you stop a busher is that what yes. you stopped? yes uh yeah busher i don't really know that i'm i'm really that all that interested in this week um although he did have he has two top 10 finishes at two dollars in tracks this year so uh that's a that's something to note um but outside of that there isn't a whole lot going for him um and i really haven't seen a lot from him in this play at least in the playoffs um uh, so yeah, Chris Bush is probably my least favorite. Christopher Bell is a guy that I anticipated liking, uh, especially when I first saw his number. Uh, I was that was the number that really intrigued me the most. I was like, man, twelve to one. That seems based on the speed we just saw, the fact that he easily could have beat Larson last week. Uh, I kind of thought he'd be more towards the you know eight to ten to one range. Seeing him at twelve was a little surprising. However, he doesn't have. He doesn't have quite the pedigree that I thought he had at high tower tracks. I think I'm maybe I'm just so used to maybe like the high tower, like short tracks, like the short flats where there's a lot of high tower. But when you come to intermediates, it's not quite the same story that I thought he had written. Um, I mean, we're looking at like 15th and 17th of drive range and loop data at the comp 
tire, high tower tracks, which is just not what you kind of want to see. Um, and then in the playoffs, obviously he's first in the qualifying model, ninth in average finish, um, has a lot going from the momentum factor, but I don't know if I can get there from like a finish from the homestead or the high tire wear kind of career. Um, now the guy that I can get down on is Ross Chastain, which I know is probably not words you want to hear in my mouth. Uh, but I truly think that Ross had the third best car this past weekend. Like if it, if he doesn't get that penalty in the first stage um, where he had to go to the end of the, end of the tail of the longest line, I think Ross is a force to reckon with and may have gotten the lead quick. Um, he was one of the only guys that could really, other than Larson and Bell, that were able to really like pass some people and like get through the field. I mean, we saw Chastain make up a lot of ground. He got up to fifth uh, pretty quickly after that penalty, um, even got up to like, I think third it was like the highest he got. It was really, really contending this race. Uh, and that's at Vegas. Now you go back and look at Darlington where, Ian, I know it's painful, but that spring Donaldson race, Ross was the fastest car. Uh, like Ross and Ross and Kyle were, were probably the fastest, but I think Ross was faster. Uh, and, and really, even though he shot himself in the foot, probably should have won that race. Um, now, so if you look at the tire code tracks this year, or sorry, the high tower tracks this year, he has a third at Auto Club. A 29th of the first Darlington, but we, we know what happened there. He wrecked, and he yep. was, I think, second in total speed. And then a fifth in the second iteration of Darlington. So these high, the high tower tracks, the main comps, yep. he is number, he's number one uh, in the model at, at, those high, at those tire wear comps. Number one drive rating, number one in loop data, um, fifth in total speed at these comp tracks. Based on the speed we just saw this past week, uh, he does have a good track record at Homestead. You, you nailed it last year, actually. Second at, uh, here at, at Homestead, only two Larson. Um, I think this 14 to 1 price makes a, a lot of sense to click here. Like, regardless if he's in the playoffs or not, this this is a track type that Ross tends to kind of excel at. And and given we just saw speed, um, and we've seen speed at the other kind of high tire wear, similar related tracks. I am willing to click the 14 to one and I already have clicked the 14 to one. So uh, two units are allocated there for the number one car. Okay. So four on Denny, two on Ross, um, which leaves, which puts us obviously at six units total. So we still have potentially click at 10, 12 to one, somewhere in that range. Uh, so maybe a, a surge or, I mean, you know, you never, you never know uh, if we want to maybe extend the outright budget a little bit to accommodate an eight to one. That's something that I, think we'd be capable of doing um certainly but uh but yeah obviously denny and ross uh lack of team chemistry on the betting card so far but <laughs> a, lot, a lot of speed uh through the first two names here and uh yeah i can't really argue anything like that i mean once you once you mentioned darling nauta club he's one of the first names that has kind of has to come to mind to you and to your point uh you talked about the early finishes uh he was number one total speed at darlington one that is number one total speed at Auto club as well um so yeah he's, he's shown it time and again and you know, he's a guy that, like, there's some guys I feel like when they get eliminated from the playoffs, Kyle Busch, uh, cough, cough, probably just, just check out a little bit. I, I think Ross, obviously, like, he he, he considers it a real uh, – this could be a real proving ground for him winning at Homestead against, you know, obviously some of the best cars in the paddock. So, clearly no lack of motivation. Uh, that Trackhouse team wants to get in victory lane at Nova for the second time this year. So, Chastain 14-1, Hamlin 8-1. Obviously, really nice start to the card. Uh, does limit obviously our 
ability to continue to click as the league goes on. But if you know, if there are some compelling names here at eighteen twenty one, and we still have still have enough uh, room in the budget to obviously make a move up here um, and maybe forego a potential drifter up top or a guy that's surging later in the week at 12, 14 to one. But let's get into the guys that uh, I thought you might have some more interest in than even Ross Chastain. I thought Kozlowski was the guy that you talked about. I'm his sixth year model, showed a lot of speed last week. He's 18 to one on this, on this odds board. Uh, if I look around, this is actually one of the better prices. Actually, that's not true. Uh, you can find 20 to one Kozlowski at, at DraftKings. So 18, 20 to one seems to be consensus on the six car. Kyle Busch, I just mentioned 18 to one, seems like the biggest fade on the board right now, at least for me. I just don't see a, much of a pulse from my eight car right now. Ryan Blaney, 18 to one. Of course, it's approaching must win territory for the 12, but it feels like, to your point earlier this, this podcast, that next week would be the, the logical point for the 12 team to circle. And then his buddy, Chase Elliott. Are, are they buddies, actually? They are buddies, right? Yeah. Like, they are. Really, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I, I knew Ryan was like very close with someone else in the batting for some reason. I forgot uh, who that was, but yeah, Chase right beside him at 20 to one. So Kozlowski, Bush, Blaney, and Chase. Uh, we've already kind of, again, uh, spoiled the surprise with having our click at 14 to one. But is there anybody in this range you could see maybe going to later in the week uh, from that perspective? Or are we officially in prop country here at 18 to 20 to one? I think we're already in prop country, to be honest. Um, if I had to, like, if I didn't click Ross, I think you're right. Like, I think Brad has a serious discussion to be a click here. Um, I mean, a lot of things speaking his his direction here. I mean, you know, I just talked about how Ross was like number one and number one in the like tire code, uh, high tire wear. I keep saying tire code, the high tire wear um, metrics. And Brad's not far behind with a third in drive rating and a fifth in the loop data. Um, so pretty pretty darn close um, to Ross's to Ross's metrics there. Yeah. And then Brad obviously has a pretty i mean a pretty good like not i wouldn't say it's great but a pretty good history at at, at uh at homestead being sixth in drive rating 10th in average finish and then fourth in average finish um at the tire code the true tire code track so the more like high speed intermediates not necessarily the high tire wear intermediates um so i do think brad has a good profile here um but again i think that profile is more towards a prop day not a race winning day and on top of that like you know if we take a step back like did like Yes, Brett had a good day, and yes, he's good here. But like, you have to think that like their focus still has to be in the 17. Like, as much as Brad would love to get a win, I think that he would also prefer Busher to get a win and, and be a continue for a championship. So, sure. you know, just subjectively, I, I struggle with with that. Whereas, like, at least Ross's camp, you know, the resources can still be allocated towards him and not another car. Um, so, if, if now. Kyle Busch. Now, Kyle Busch is a different story. Like, if he's in the playoffs, I think you nailed it. If he's in the playoffs, I think he's on our card tonight. But if he's in the playoffs, he's probably also not 18 to 1. Um, but if there's anyone who rates out any better than than Ross or Larson or Hamlin at these t- high tower tracks, it's, it's Kyle Busch. I mean, we want to talk about somebody whooping a field. Kyle Busch whooped the field at Auto Club. So even though Ross was number one in, in total speed, Kyle Busch put on a clinic there. Uh, he's he was also pretty damn good at Darlington and he's got a pretty darn good history at Homestead, but I just don't really think he gives a flying fuck right now. Um, so, and, and I don't really feel like I've seen him like, let's see the momentum factor. Yeah. He's a 12th average finish over the last six races. So like, yeah. I, I just don't really think it's there for him. Uh, and then Blaney. Yeah. You, I don't really have any interest in Blaney at, I, I even last week kind of surprised me. Like we just don't really expect him to run well at the intermediates. I think they've had Martinsville and Phoenix circled for a while um, once they got through. So yeah, Blaney is probably the, uh, the guy I would fade 
uh, of all these guys other than Kyle Busch. Yeah, and Blaney's kind of in position right now where, like, yeah, he can scratch out, like, a, a decent finish here, but it's still probably, like, most likely must-win territory, if not, like, must, like, top two or top three at Martinsville. Like, I don't, I don't really know how much hay he can really make at Homestead this week. Uh, yeah. Of course, they're going to try their best and everything like that, but I – I don't know. Um, when you start talking about like championship futures on Blaney, I, I don't envision like I know he's thirty to one right now. I know you actually made a click on Blaney unofficially at thirty yeah, privately. Championship. <laughs> well, that's you're a Blaney fan, so you're you know that's that's why I have a seatbelt ticket myself. Um, yeah. But I, I I I struggle with like I struggle to believe that he's going to be any better than 30 to one this time next week. So that, that was, well, and, yeah. And, and I think you're right. Like the more I've sat back and thought about it, I was like, eh, should I have made that click? I mean, more, it was more just for funsies, but, yeah. but like, you're right though. Like this isn't a track where you can, it's not gonna be like last week where it's like, Oh, let's do a two tire strategy here and get ourselves out in front. Like <laughs> you do two tire strategy here at Homestead, you're a toast. You go from first to 30th and in, in the first turn. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's not like you can really use a, really a, a strategy here other than like, if you're trying to short pit, like yeah. maybe you try to like kind of like what Larson did this past week where you should just pit earlier than everybody else. And you just Make hope that it cycles through and you get through the top. Like you could try something like that, but you've still got to be at least somewhat near the front for that to pain out for you. So yeah, I don't think there's a lot of ground that Blaney could make up necessarily. I'm just kind of making on the fact that I think he's the Fords have been good enough at the short tracks to where I think he should have a case in Martinsville. Yeah, no, I, I I think he's very dangerous. When we fast forward to next week's show, I, I anticipate like a very good case being made for the twelve car. Um, so it's not like I'm poo pooing your championship future. I just I'm just interested to see what the number does uh, yeah. next week. So we've seen numbers balloon pretty fast when it comes down to like must win territory. Which um, again, we don't know that's the case for Blady next week necessarily, but I think it's a decent possibility that he's essentially just in a winner go home uh, scenario. So. Uh, we'll move on. I know we're already in prop country. Move on into like the 28 to 40 range. I'm going to fly through some names real quick. Uh, if Chris has any thoughts, he can stop me. Uh, Kevin Harvick, 28 to one. Bubba Walsh, 30 to one. Logano, 33 to one. Ty Gibbs, 40 to one. Alex Bowman, 50 to one. Anything compelling or just you can say skip if you want. Um, from an outright market, no. Yeah. Um, but if there's somebody that I, I do think I want on my card in some facet, I mean, the race is named after him. Like, how could we not have something on Kevin Harvick? Well, not only that, though, like he actually high does. Tire. Yeah, high tire wear is like yeah. Kevin Harvick's bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, if, if there's anyone who will backdoor a top five this week, it's going to be so, Kevin Harvick. I like that. Um, seventh and fourth in total speed on the three comp tra- on the three high tire wear tracks, both Johnson yeah. and Club. So, yeah, um, first and first, in, he's actually first in drive rating at the high tire wear tracks uh, this year. Uh, first in average finish over his career at Homestead. Uh, and second average finish at the tire code tracks. So I do really, really think that Harvick has a good profile. Um, and given that this is, I mean, he's still got three less, three years left in his career. Uh, I've got a bet. Uh oh. Kevin Harvick, top forward plus 475 over guys like Keselowski, Busher, Busher, Blaney. Blaney yeah. I mean, I thought about that one too. Yeah, I thought about that one as bad. well. It's not bad. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, it'll it'll be something like that, like either a top something like high, like something we get a big number on. Like I'm not gonna bet yeah. something that Harvick at minus one ten this week. I want something I like a, yeah, yeah, like a plus two, like a group bet or plus two fifty or like a top four, like you said, the for plus four, something like that is what we want to bet. His top ten price is plus one forty. Like if he gets the top ten, he's probably beaten Blaney Logano. Yeah, maybe yeah. Akez, but like at pl- you're getting such a huge um, margin in terms of you know from plus one forty to four plus four seventy five. 
uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'll be interested to see what the groups that he comes out with because it feels like we've been pretty meh on everyone since Chastain. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly if you can get like a you know, three to one in a group bet between like him and Elliot, Blaney, et cetera, then that would be uh, interesting. He's in, he's in a few group bets, actually. I'm seeing him. He's in group D with Bubba, Logano, and Gibbs. That's good. Uh, yes. It's not it's not bad. The only one that would scare me is Bubba just because Bubba has he has actually run pretty well at Darlington. He's qualified really well both times there. And the um, Nemechek ran pretty well or didn't run pretty well, but he qualified well last year in that 45 car as well. So twenty two eleven maybe has a bit of an edge at home server at least. And the yeah. other group he's in is group E, which is with Brad Busher and Chase, which is that's tough. That's that's a tough one. I don't know if I like that one. So I think the top forward one is probably the better yeah, the better bet. Okay. Yeah, something to something to look at for sure. Uh, but yeah, Kevin Harvick seems to be maybe you're he, he's definitely holding in on, on a prop play for you. Um, is it how's his homestead history? Because I know he's obviously like Darlington and, and Auto Club, it feels like are at least in my mind's eye better track bits. But uh, does the homestead track record kind of bear out? Similar? Yeah, it's, pre- it's pretty good. Okay. Um, he hasn't finished actually, him and Kyle Bush are currently tied with nine top tens out of the last 10 races here oh shit plus 140 <laughs> lock of the week <laughs> i i spoke too soon i spoke too soon about pooing the top 10 bet um but okay yeah well that is that is certainly compelling keep the number four on your radar um it feels like we're kind of going back to the kevin harvick like qualifying the doldrums and somehow end up in seventh place on in like end of stage two uh, I, I can't remember the last time I saw the four like in final stage of qualifying, so maybe that's the case to like wait, but I don't know. The, the price is already pretty damn good, so I don't really know how much. Yeah. Better to do it. Um. Okay, I'm I'm going I'm going to go ahead and guess that Alex Bowman fifty to one, Daniel Suarez sixty six, Eric Jones one hundred. These people don't tickle tickle your fancy too much here. Um, no, not even in this. Like I even expected Eric Jones to pop just because of Donaldson, but even he didn't really pop for me. So yeah, I don't really have. We don't really have a lot outside of really like the playoff guys, to be honest. That is absolutely fine. I think we've given the, the viewers quite a bit this uh, tonight here. Uh, we already have two clicks locked in uh, with Denny Hamlin at 8-1 to one for four units, Ross Destain at 14-1 uh, for two units, which means we have six units allocated. Uh, so according to Chris's usual scale, we have about 2.5 to three units left, depending on how spicy we feel. Um, is there a guy that you're monitoring particularly closely as the week goes along uh, for the outright? Because it feels like, again, it feels like we're kind of down to like three or four names because there wasn't a lot of interest past Chastain uh, in the outright market. So if you were kind of to rank order the guys that you think are most likely to be in your card Sunday morning, kind of who are you looking at the, the most uh, closely here kind of as the week goes on? Um, It's kind of hard to say, right? Because like, I want to say Truex, but if Truex qualifies well, we're not going to afford him. So we almost kind of need Truex to like practice well, but not qualify well. And maybe we get like a slight dip in the number. But again, like, I don't know. I just don't see that happening. Um, Yeah, I think we're kind of priced out of like the Reddick Truex Byron's, unfortunately. So like, you know, Bell, I expect to be. Chris, we're we're on a podcast double here. I mean, we can we can extend by an extra unit if you want to. I mean, Truex. We'll we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So, like, I think Bell, obviously, if he pulls it, he's probably going to be out of out of price as well. But Bell will be a guy I have my eye on. But I think even though I just kind of poo-pooed on him, like, you know, Brad, like, if let's just say, for instance, if Brad does pull it, like, what's his price going to be? Like, he probably would be 10 to 1. So, like, that would be a guy we could afford. I would say maybe 10 to 1. I would say, like, 12, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, most likely. But yeah. So like a, like a Brad, uh, maybe a, for some damn reason, maybe maybe uh, maybe Homestead gives Harvick like fifty extra horsepower, and uh, <laughs> and we can we can maybe slide him on the card somehow. But yeah, I don't I don't. It's hard to say. I don't really know what the what's what's going to look like after qualifying. So okay. I think there's a lot of guys that I like, but I don't really know where it's going to land. But obviously, yeah, you you know that we had like two and a half to three out units to go. So yeah, and. Uh... I was going to say something profound, but it, it clearly slipped my mind. Um, but yeah. yeah. And even if we, even yeah. if we, and like, and let's just for instance say that everyone I do like, we're kind of priced out of, and I don't really want to do the extra allocation. Then maybe we just roll with what we got with six and we play an extra prop, you know, like just something like that. True. So True. I, I don't want to force, I don't want to force a two unit play on something I don't like. So yeah. it's just, it's just kind of where we are. Or just, Two units on Larson plus three hundred to break even. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good play. Uh, that was completely facetious. I did not want to. Make that <laughs> it's, it's the one time we're on the same page. We're fading the five in the outright markets. Um, but yeah, that was a, again fun discussion. We got two bets clicked in already on Tuesday night, which is a good feeling. Uh, certainly, much more to come as the week goes on for Chris, uh, both on uh, excuse me on Saturday and Sunday. Um, but yeah, feeling good about Homestead and. Uh, you know what? We're we're man. You are uh you're on a bit of a roll in the NASCAR world right now. Up uh, I think over seventy units. Yeah, seventy units on the season. Uh, I know we we're kind of a dire straits after a really tough stretch of, of, of races to start the playoffs. So you've gotten back on your feet real quick, and uh, you know feeling good obviously about Homestead this week. So let's keep the momentum rolling. Maybe uh you know back to back podcast doubles. You never know. Maybe Colin Morikawa can make some putts, and Denny Hamlin uh, can stop having pit road penalties while he's leading the race. So. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, for Chris and Ian, another week of flag hunting. Let's catch some tickets, guys. Good luck. Let's do it.